Welcome to Shift Happens, Cultivating Calm Amidst Great Change. Welcome to Season 2. Today's episode is Episode 2, Familial Divide, When the People You Love Vote for Trump. My name is Jenna Cotton, and I'm a psychotherapist, and I'm here with my friend and colleague, Corey Graycheck, and I'm also a psychotherapist. And our practice is in Philadelphia, so shout out to Philly. Yeah! (laughs) And we're coming to you from South Jersey, because as most people are doing, we're working from home. And our episodes and our season are comprised of issues that arise in our practice with our wonderful clients and the solutions that we come up with together with them that might be helpful to you. Yep. And if you followed us from last season, you know that we structure our podcast with meditation, a psychosocial topic, and then another meditation because life is hard and we've got your back. And whether you're an advanced meditator or this is your first time, we've got you covered. Great. Okay, so this would be a really good time for you to grab a cushion, set yourself up for your meditation because we will be beginning our mountain meditation in a moment. So grabbing a cushion, getting yourself settled, whether you're sitting on a chair or lying down or sitting on a cushion. And if you're sitting up, making sure that your your shoulders are open, perhaps with your chin tucked in a posture that is elevated, open and upright, and also as comfortable as it possibly can be. If you're lying down, everything uncrossed and open, arms by your sides. We will begin this meditation with three bells. So feeling the structure underneath you, whether It's a cushion, a chair, or you're lying down and you're feeling your couch or your bed or the floor coming up to support you. Relaxing into the structure that is supporting you. And then noticing your breath Just allowing your breath to be exactly as it is. No need to alter your breath in any way. And then perhaps bringing your awareness to the place where you feel your breath the most in your body. Perhaps it's the rise and fall of your chest. The contraction and expansion of your lungs. The rise and fall of your belly. 
So bringing your awareness to where you feel your breath the most, in your body, tuning in to the sensations of breathing. And then expanding your awareness to include your whole body. Feeling the groundedness of your body. Feeling the steadiness of your body. The immovable quality of your body as it's supported by your structure. And if your body doesn't feel those particular aspects in this moment, that's fine. Just holding the intention of groundedness, holding the intention of immovability, However your body feels in this moment is exactly how it needs to be in this moment. And so, like the mountain, we aren't judging our bodies. The mountain does not judge itself as it sways or it responds to the seasons and the weather. The mountain knows that it's doing exactly what it needs to be doing in every moment. So in this moment, holding the intention of embodying the mountain, our mountain is our body, our body becomes the mountain. Beautiful, strong, grounded, and our thoughts, our feelings, our experiences, no matter how stormy or how delightful and joyful and sunny they are, we allow to move over us continually. As the clouds move across the mountain, as the rain moves across the mountain, as the seasons move across the mountain, Again, so too are we affected by our emotions, the seasons of our emotions, our thoughts, our experiences, but we are embodying the mountain and we are centered and grounded and immovable. And noticing the thoughts as they arise, 
or the feelings or the stories and knowing that if we are alive, we are thinking and experiencing. So allowing these thoughts and these experiences to just move over us. As the weather and the seasons move over the mountain. Again, in particularly stormy weather, the mountain is affected, but the mountain remains immovable, grounded, and strong. In this time, when there are moments of joy and peace and calm weather, but also a myriad of storms in our lives that we're dealing with, embodying the mountain, allowing the hate, the sadness, the sorrow, the charged nature of our emotions and our experiences to move over us as if we were the mountain and they are the weather. And knowing that once the bells have sounded signifying the end of this meditation, you can access this feeling of the mountain anytime you need to by grounding. If you're sitting, sitting up straight with your shoulders open. If you're standing, feeling the soles of your feet on the ground and breathing into your body. Now opening yourself to the sounds of the three bells signifying the end of this meditation. All right. <laughs> Ooh, that was nice. Thanks, Corey. Yeah, my pleasure. My yeah. head's always a little medi headed, a little meditation headed after we finish. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> feeling, though. <laughs> Today, as I said before, our episode is on familial divide when the people you love vote for Trump. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And we're going to start by talking about a lot of the triggers that we've been hearing from people in our practice, but also that we've been experiencing as well. And we just want to say that a myriad of people hold different opinions on these things. So just because you might be triggered by some of these issues, we're not saying that you aren't necessarily voting for Trump. We just wanted to address the triggers that are happening right now in this political climate. Yeah, sure, because we're we're really trying to hold the space for difference, differences in opinions, differences in stances on issues, 
And I want to add that that's really hard, but that's, that's a part of our practice, right, Jenna? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so I think first, just in terms of the triggers, I think we're all recognizing our triggers and other people's triggers. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And some of these might be the issue of police and racism. And I think it becoming an us versus them kind of position. Yeah, I think it's really difficult because the way that it's put out there is Black Lives Matter versus Blue Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. And it it is certainly, I don't know about you, Jenna, but that's certainly a trigger for me. I don't feel like I have to pick. I don't feel that that is what the Black Lives Matter movement is about. Mm -hmm. I do believe personally, and I hear from most of the people that I work with, that it's not that you're not supporting the police force or that we don't need a police force, although some people don't feel like we do anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're talking about the systematic racism, the racial profiling. And then specifically, when we're talking about Black Lives Matter, we're talking about the fact that Black people have not been safe in our country for hundreds of years right. since the inception. And mm-hmm. so when we're talking about Black Lives Matter, we're talking about being aware of that, if you are not black, if you are not a person of color, by supporting the Black Lives Matter movement, you are showing that you are aware of the heinous treatment of black people in our country and that you are supporting them and you are supporting changing that treatment. And so they are not mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. And very often, I know for myself, that's a big trigger when they are presented as being mutually exclusive. Okay, so because I support Black Lives Matter, then I hate all police officers. Right. It's so divisive. Mm-hmm. And so it's very hard. Yeah, I, I completely agree. That is definitely one of my triggers. And I'll just share a story um, just to give an example of how this can manifest. But, <laughs> so I have been seeing a lot of things on social media, things that my family members or friends have posted about police officers, the Black Lives Matter movement, Blue Lives Matter. Something I saw, I felt really compelled to just respond to because I agree, Corey. I think that there's this misunderstanding of what the Black Lives Matter movement is about. I think, again, we're not saying we're not saying if we believe Black Lives Matter that we don't support good cops and good police. I saw something online and it was talking about how if a police officer hesitates, this is what can happen. And it was a video of a black man shooting at police and resisting arrest. It just led to this big open discussion between me and my family member's friend. (laughs) (laughs) And I had to really notice what was coming up for me. And we'll talk about that a little bit later as well in terms of how to deal with that. But I think that there's this assumption that because I was trying to speak out, give information and education behind the Black Lives Matter social movement and racism and systemic racism in general, that I was not supporting police officers. And again, this person that I was having this discussion with was trying to, I think, turn the conversation into the us versus them, you know, stance. And and that wasn't what I was trying to convey. I was trying to convey more of why this movement exists, why the systemic racism needs to change and how it can change. And I think that that can be triggering to people on the opposing side as well, or with a different perspective who have maybe family who are police officers or might not have information or education about 
the history of systemic racism or racism in general. Yeah, because in this episode, we're beginning with triggers and we have to be aware that we have our triggers and other people have their triggers. This episode is called When the People You Love Vote for Trump. It can also just go for holding very strong opposing views, mm -hmm. but specifically voting for Trump. Uh, we're looking at first what the triggers are, knowing your own triggers and then being aware of the people around you, what their triggers are mm -hmm. as well, because that will really help you when we're getting to the management piece yes. of this episode. Yes. And another trigger that comes up for people is the issue of the protests right now. Some people feeling like the protests are, are violent, out of control, that people are acting like idiots or morons and that there's all these looters out there when that information is not actually accurate and unfortunately just being portrayed that way by the media at times. And we'll link something in our notes to data about the protests and the amount of violence that's actually happening. But I think that's another kind of position where people are viewing protests as again, out of control. And in, if you're in support of the protest, that means that you hate police officers. Looking at the history of systemic racism or just racism. And I think a lot of people don't understand that protests and some of the rioting are used as tactics to cultivate change because no one is listening. Yes. And also, I think the other piece is that a lot of the looters had nothing to do with the protests. Mm -hmm. They saw an opportunity and they took it. Yes. And they, they weren't actually making any kind of statement right. uh, when people who are protesting are out there and they're using their voices and their voices are loud as mm -hmm. they need to be. I think the other thing that we're talking about is there is this real movement because everything is so charged mm -hmm. towards being extreme. And so losing the nuances of things, we want to say all protesters are like this, or all looters are, are like this, right. or even all people voting for Trump are like this. And none of that is true. Mm -hmm. I think the other piece is knowing our triggers, and then we're also trying to be reasonable, which is very difficult. We're practicing being reasonable, but that's very difficult. Mm -hmm. And I, along the lines of being reasonable, as most of you know, at this point, we've moved out of Philadelphia and we are in South Jersey, and I really miss the city. I am enjoying my stay in South Jersey, and I go on nature walks every day, and I've feel very privileged to be able to do that. It's really wonderful to be able to do that without being around like 20 hundred people. Right. On my walks, I pass multiple Trump signs, Trump flags, I should say. I also pass Biden Kamala signs, uh, or I should say Biden Harris signs. But yesterday, in our last episode, I was speaking about how we try to hold the space for our own strong emotions while not judging or telling stories about the person who holds an opposing view and that we don't have to have answers. And I think that that is wise feedback, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is really hard to follow mm -hmm. a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And that's why we, we call it a mindfulness practice because yeah. <laughs> it takes a lot of practice. <laughs> so I was on my walk the other day and I turned my head to the left and I'm in this beautiful trees and nature and birds. And there is another 
Trump flag flying. <laughs> and the next thing I know, and mind you, the house is set quite far back, so they probably couldn't hear me, but I'm yelling at the top of my lungs, what is wrong with you people? <laughs> oh my goodness. And then I'm thinking, hmm, hmm, really practicing holding that space uh -huh. and not needing answers. What is wrong with you people? And what I also realized in that moment is that I just keep expecting it to end. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm going to walk and I'm not going to see an additional Trump flag. So this is a house I pass all the time. And the, the Trump flag wasn't there two days before that. Yeah. Uh, it's so How disappointing. Shocking. <laughs> shocking. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's really hard to see that. And again, I like how you called it a, a practice because we practice, are by practice. no means perfect <laughs> oh, with our mindfulness. Um, not at all. Yeah. And I think the other thing that we want to talk about the triggers are that COVID issues have become political issues. Like I wear a mask versus I'm not going to wear a mask. I think sometimes people make assumptions that Democrats are the ones wearing masks and Republicans are not wearing masks. And that's just completely false. There are plenty of people who are Republican who are very adamant about wearing masks. And so I think COVID issues are political issues in a lot of ways, hence our season, Leaderless Nation. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's not being handled. Wow. A, a multi-layered uh, approach to the 2020 political season. And, you know, part of that is understanding that COVID issues have been politicized mm -hmm. and then also understanding that we can't make assumptions. Yeah. So- Right. There's many, many Republicans out there who are very responsible people and are doing a really amazing job of taking care of themselves and taking care of other people by wearing their masks and mm -hmm. following the guidelines. And there's many Democrats that aren't, I'm sure, yeah. although I don't know any. So we're trying to hold the space for the idea that these issues have been politicized and then they're not actually political, but then they are political. Mm -hmm. So it's so nuanced and layered, mm -hmm. I guess, never landing in the place where we know or think we have all of the answers is helpful, but all of these act like triggers. Yeah. You know, it's triggers for people who identify as Republican, triggers for people who identify as Democratic. It, it's just very, very, very triggering. Mm -hmm. And then there are people out there who are blatantly saying COVID doesn't exist. I don't believe in it. And a mm -hmm. lot of those people are voting for Trump. So it's a very confusing and multi-layered yeah. issue. Um, and these mm -hmm. are all triggers that you might be experiencing with friends, with colleagues, with family members. And it, it, it is difficult. It's really important for yeah. us to be around people who are different. Yeah. And I'm not actually talking about difference in ethnicity or religion, although that is essential in my opinion. But I am also talking about the ability to hold uh, space for opposing political views, probably the most yeah. charged that it's ever been. It puts me in the mind of the last election and my partner and I went to see our dear friends at their house in Vermont. They both identify as Republican. And so I thought to myself, you know, after the last election, I'm, I'm not going to bring up politics at all, mm -hmm. because I, I cannot handle that conversation. I'm just going to avoid it. And so, and these are people who I absolutely adore. I woke up in the morning and was having coffee with my friend, Natasha, and mm -hmm. I was just avoiding political stuff. And she made some political comment. And then she looked at me and I didn't say anything. And then I said, well, I wasn't going to bring up politics. And she's like, Corey, I'm a Republican. I'm not an asshole. <laughs> 
of course I voted for Hillary Clinton. Jeez. Right, right. And so it is, again, we were, were confronted or were faced with people that we love mm-hmm. who are very layered and complicated, all of us, very yeah. layered and complicated, trying not to make presumptions, yes. but understanding that all of these things are triggers for us. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think the biggest thing here, like everything you're saying is just going into conversations or interactions with others and being curious as opposed to um, assuming we know things about people because political affiliation, you know, doesn't necessarily define what you might feel triggered by and you might have very different views. And so I think it's just a time to really listen and even, yeah, I, I, I think it's just about listening. <laughs> yeah, and I, I like your your idea. So on one hand, it is interesting we're holding the space for not being presumptuous mm-hmm. with the people that we love and hopefully with people in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're probably going to be presumptuous. I think we are suggesting that we are try to be aware that we're being presumptuous. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, you know, we're also talking about being aware of what could be triggers for people. So in some ways you're using that presumption to predict what could be a trigger. So I guess the piece, like you said, Jenna, is that we just don't know for sure. And we need to remember that. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think at this point, we're going to move into the actual conversational part. So Mm -hmm. the whole gist of this particular episode is talking about what to do when people you love are voting for Trump. Mm -hmm. And it's not just for people who are voting for Trump, but that is what we're focusing on. The people that we're working with are talking about trying to have conversations with the people that they love or not have conversations or how to have conversations about these incredibly charged topics, Mm -hmm. especially for the people they love who are voting for Trump. So we're moving to the solution piece of the episode where we're talking about refusing to be baited. Yes. Knowing the bait, knowing (laughs) your own triggers, knowing where a conversation could go and, and figuring out how you want to respond to that. You know, gracefully declining mm-hmm. and saying, I love you, but this won't be good for us, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I think is a, a beautiful way to exit out of a conversation you didn't realize you were embarking on. Right, right. <laughs> and I, I, I have had that with my partner's father, whom I absolutely loved, who has passed away. He did vote for Trump and he and I had an incredibly loving relationship. And when I was diagnosed with breast cancer, he took care of me all through my treatment. And we just had a very big heart connection. And then, you know, we also really love mysteries. So we would watch mysteries together. And before I would know it, he would be saying to me, and that character is so much like Hillary Clinton. And I'm thinking, <laughs> what the hell? he talking about and then and then i would just look at him and i would pointedly not be baited not Mm -hmm. say anything but occasionally i would be caught in the middle of a conversation with him i didn't even know i was starting yeah so i think just understanding uh, you know either either don't say anything Mm -hmm. or i love the I love you, but this isn't going to be good for us. So I tended to move towards the avoidance or just to choose not to say anything with him. Redirection. (laughs) Right. Redirection. We were both clear on where the other stood politically. So, yeah. 
Yeah, and I think too, just to point out, your feelings about these conversations might change day to day, moment to moment. I think that's what we're going through throughout COVID or just throughout this political season is depending on where we're at and how we're feeling emotionally, there might be some days where we feel very charged and we get into these conversations and we feel like I need to get into this conversation. Yes. But there might be days where we feel like I I don't want to do this, I can't do this, or this won't be good for us. So if it changes day to day, that's okay too. We're not saying that just because you know the bait that you're not always going to take it. You might yeah, help you. Of course not. Of course not. <laughs> and I think, yeah, what we are talking about is, okay, sometimes we're going to get baited into conversations and we're trying our best to graciously or mm-hmm. lovingly, or at least without anybody getting hurt. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're also talking about making a choice mm-hmm. about whether you want to have these conversations or you don't. Yes. So part of it is also being gentle with yourself and gentle with the people that you love mm-hmm. and knowing your weaker times of day, knowing when you're not in a condition to have a conversation. Maybe you're really not even in condition to be around that person. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes it's helpful to just not be around people who are going to challenge you if you really don't feel that you have the capacity to cope with it in a way that you're going to feel good about. Mm -hmm. And so I guess getting into how do we say no to people? If we don't want to have a conversation, how can we say no but feel comfortable doing that? And I think there are definitely a few ways. I think (laughs) one way is to just directly verbalize that and say, I really don't want to get into this. I know we have opposing views. I don't think this is going to be good for us. If that doesn't feel right to you, there are ways to just redirect and change the subject. (laughs) If you have to keep doing that, do it or leave. (laughs) Also, I know I've talked about with some of my clients and Jenna, you might be doing the same. It's sometimes if you're entering a politically um, charged situation, Sometimes it's helpful to send a communication ahead of time. That's another way to do it. I think that's a really good idea. Yeah, to send a text or an email or have a phone call and just say, hey, I really love you. I know that we have opposing views Uh, politically. I'd really prefer not to talk about that. Mm -hmm. That just opens up the kind of time that you'd like to have with this person and it lets them know what your boundaries are. Mm -hmm. And then even if it does start to happen while you're with them, you can refer back to saying, hey, remember how I said that? I really, I love you and I don't want this time to be about anything but love. So let's not talk about how you're voting for Trump. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I love that. I think that's a really, really good idea, especially as we get closer to the holidays, which we'll talk about later as well. (laughs) Yeah, and I think also just saying that you can also put out there in this very positive and loving way, I would like not to talk about this because I would like our time to be loving, peaceful, contentment, mm-hmm. enjoy, enjoying, enjoyment, mm-hmm. joy. Okay, I can't say that word for whatever reason. <laughs> <laughs> so we are talking about really asking yourself, even if you're caught in the middle of a conversation or before you see somebody, before you enter into this kind of situation, really asking yourself, do I want to have this conversation? Right. So we just covered if you don't. Now let's talk about if you do. <laughs> let's talk about if you do. Yeah. And I think if you do, the fact that you've paused in the first place to ask yourself, do I want to have this conversation? If you choose yes, that means you also have the ability to be thoughtful 
about the conversation you're about to step into because you've already paused to think about it. (laughs) So I think thinking about, okay, if I wanna have this conversation, where do I feel comfortable with this happening? When do I feel comfortable with you know this happening? And with whom present? Mm-hmm. How am I going to set up the scenario so I feel as comfortable as possible? And I think, too, when we have these conversations, for me personally, I'll just share, when I have conversations with people, I, I do tend to need breaks. And so for me, mm-hmm. having an in-person discussion, I don't know if that would be particularly right. For some people, it may. But for me, I think I need more breaks. And so doing it maybe over the phone or writing it, that has tended to work better for me. So I've noticed that some people, if they're referring to their parents, maybe their father is easier to talk to about political issues and their mother is harder to talk about political issues with. Mm -hmm. So again, with whom present, maybe, you know, sometimes we act differently when we have an audience. Sometimes people are more inclined to have a gracious conversation, be open and to really hear you if they're on their own. Other times, sometimes talking to both parents or multiple relatives at once, it might have the opposite effect that they might actually kind of mellow each other out. So I'm really considering who is present. Also how, like you were saying, Jenna, how. Text, email, phone, FaceTime, Zoom, (laughs) in person. And I think also what we're talking about is if you choose to have the conversation, really considering, okay, if I'm choosing to have this conversation beyond the where, when, and with whom present and how, mm-hmm. you want to think about what is your goal. Yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes the biggest goals we can have are for people to understand us, where we're coming from, to try to understand someone else. I think if going into a conversation is just to essentially tell someone why they're wrong, that might not be the time to have that conversation. <laughs> that might not work well. <laughs> so I think you really want to make sure you're in a, a place of, you know what, let me be curious and try to understand this person a little bit better. And maybe they'll understand me a little bit better as well. Yeah. And really being honest with yourself. I mean, there are times when I am not curious <laughs> and I just need to be really clear with myself. It's not a time for me to have a challenging conversation. Mm-hmm. So the goals could be to understand them, for them to understand you, to listen, and you could listen and then share without understanding. You might never understand where they're coming from. You might just let them know you hear them. Mm -hmm. And then you might just want to state where you're coming from, providing facts or talking about how you feel. Mm -hmm. And they may never understand it, but there might be the ability to have a mutual respect even Mm -hmm. though you don't understand each other. So that could be a goal. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the goal could just be to express the emotional impact that their stance has on you. Mm -hmm. That's a tough one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Because Mm -hmm. I think these issues are so emotional because Mm -hmm. of how ridiculous Donald Trump is. Because, yeah, I think we talked in our last episode about how he essentially perpetuates hate. And so I think it's really, really, really hard for Mm -hmm. non-Trump supporters to understand Trump supporters and it becomes a very emotionally like charged issue. Yes. That's hard. Emotions aren't rational all the time. (laughs) Right. So understanding might not come into it. Mm -hmm. We might never understand where they're coming from. We might still listen. We might feel comfortable enough to be curious, but 
we might in the end not understand where they're coming from. They may not understand where we're coming from. Mm -hmm. Maybe we just end it with, we both love each other and let's let this be. Yeah. Sometimes you may need to just state your case and peace out. Yes. <laughs> That's it. You, yep. You're you not curious about where they're at. You're not curious about how they feel. Yeah, you're not like, curious about... And that's okay. Mm -hmm. And I, I do think that it, it, there is a big difference between people voting for Trump now and voting for Trump four years ago. Mm -hmm. Not that I would have ever voted for Trump personally, mm -hmm. but four years ago, there was a whole part of our nation that I felt was really not addressed by the Democratic Party. And mm -hmm. I'm a dyed in the wool, left of liberal <laughs> Democrat my entire life and always will be. Although I will have to say, I have voted Republican before mm -hmm. when I thought it was better for Philadelphia uh, because I thought the candidate was better. But in general, I am dyed in the wool. However, then I could understand the steel belt, the coal belt. You know, there were portions of our, our country that were really not addressed by the Democratic Party. But now when you're talking about spewing hate and this incredible racism and sexism and sexual mm -hmm. assault. And it just goes on and on and on and on and on. Yeah. Now it makes these political conversations very, very different. We're not, as Jenna and I talk about a lot, we're not just talking about differences on the stances of the issues. Now we're talking about hate versus not hate. So mm -hmm. it's really hard, which leaves me yelling at houses, by the way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very, very, uh, yeah, charged. <laughs> and I think something else that we talked about is going into these conversations, we can't have the expectation that we're going to change someone's opinion. Just thinking of it as an opportunity to give information and maybe plant seeds, that can definitely be a hope because I think not having the conversations is part of the problem because we want to see change. But if we think over one conversation, we're going to change someone's mind, it's just not realistic and we may never get there. But I think let's see where this goes. Let's see what could happen. That being said, Corey. <laughs> you and I, Jenna, are trying to solve for kind of all of the examples that even we haven't experienced or our clients haven't experienced mm -hmm. or we're not hearing about. But I imagine there are some situations, maybe there's a young person who's voting for Trump and you do feel as a mentor or an older sibling or an older you know, uh, relative or friend that you can sway their opinion and you can talk to them mm -hmm. and change might be your goal. What we're saying is don't get too attached to that. If it happens, fantastic. And I, I was having a conversation four years ago, over four years ago before the last election with a relative of mine, we were out to lunch and we were just kind of talking and I was talking about the upcoming election and she said to me, oh, yeah, you know, I don't really like either. He's I'm just not going to vote. I, I wasn't even thinking. It came out organically, completely spontaneously. I just said, uh, this is not the election to not vote in. I know that's a double <laughs> negative. This is the election to vote in. You don't have that kind of space or privilege to not vote right now because even then we knew that Trump was terrible. And she did wind up voting. And I think that just came straight from my heart out of my mouth before I even right. knew what I was saying, which is really good. That's what came out of my mouth. <laughs> Sometimes just organically, spontaneously, we speak from our heart and it does change what other people are going to do. I think we're also just talking about, we can have the goal of changing someone's opinion, but not to get too attached to that because more often than not, it doesn't work very well. Yeah. 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 So we're talking about checking in with yourself, knowing what your triggers are, knowing what the bait is, and then figuring out, do I want to have this conversation? Do I not? 
And then I think lastly, just managing time around it. So maybe you have to check in and know when to limit the conversations you're having or the visits you're having with people who are triggering to you. And so taking breaks. So just back to my social media example, when I had to take breaks, I mean, I had to take multiple breaks in this dialogue because it was going on for days. I was very triggered. I went on walks. I was trying to get creative and do art. I was talking with my friends. I was really trying to be proactive about taking care of myself before I responded. And so figuring out what works for you in terms of managing that. Yeah, and I think you bring up a great point also as we're towards the end of this episode and into our next meditation. Our next meditation is pause, relax, open your wonderful, portable, familiar meditation that Mm -hmm. Jenna will lead us through. But I think you bring up a really good point around, you know, just knowing what we need and that often in these charged conversations, it's really important, like we said, to look at the time limit, et cetera, everything that you said, Jenna, and also to remember that they get very charged. And so sometimes the pace gets very, very fast Mm -hmm. and we have to remember to get space during those times. And Jenna, I think you did a pretty incredible job doing that throughout that whole interaction with the person (laughs) that you were referring to. But getting space is really important. And because we're so charged, the pace gets very fast Mm -hmm. and reactive. Mm -hmm. And the best way to stop that is to stop the conversation, put it on pause Mm -hmm. and take care of yourself, get some kind of space. Yes. And with that, Let's go into our pause, relax, open meditation to close our episode today, but also with the intention in mind of if we do need a break, whether it's in a moment or whether it's a few days, this meditation can be helpful both on the cushion and off the cushion to practice. So setting yourself up for your meditation, getting comfortable in a chair, on the floor, anywhere in your space. If you need to put something behind your neck, like a towel or a pillow, if you're lying down, feel free to grab that now. And so listening for the sounds of the bells to begin our meditation. So settling into your meditation posture in this moment, being still, noticing your breathing, noticing the inhale and the exhale, not changing the way you are breathing, but just observing it as it is. And knowing in this moment of stillness that you have the intention of pausing or slowing down. And thoughts may race, body sensations may still exist. You may feel tingling or tension in your body. But in this moment, we have the intention of slowing down and being still. And so noticing the breath and noticing the body now having the intention of being relaxed. So R in our PRO meditation for relaxed. 
And so scanning the body and noticing how the body feels. Is there tension? Is there softness? Is your jaw clenched? Are your eyes relaxed? Are your shoulders down and relaxed? Or your legs, are they tense? Or your hands, or your toes? And if so, just seeing if you can let go a little and soften a little to relax. And breathing here in stillness, the intention of relaxation, just being in this moment. And when we are still, and when we have the intention of being relaxed, it can allow us to be open, open to what is. And so opening to any sounds around you, not judging, just seeing and accepting them, opening to relaxation and care for yourself in general. When we are relaxed and still, we have the ability to breathe more openly, to feel more openly, and just to accept what is happening around us. And so embodying being still or paused, relaxed, and open throughout the entirety of our being in this moment and just breathing here, coming back to the breath, the in-breath and the out-breath, the rise and fall of the stomach or the chest, knowing you can come back to this practice or this meditation throughout the day if you need to take pause, soften or relax, and become open to what is. And at the sound of the bells, we will signify the end of our meditation for today. All right. Thank you so much, Jenna. And that is the end of our second episode. And we are signing off and we're wishing all of you so much love, patience, and make sure you make self-care your baseline. Take really good care of yourself during this time. Signing off from Shift Happens. Bye. Bye, everyone. <laughs>